You, Ms. Bob prayed. These are interesting days, aren't they? I talked with uh, my dearest friend, perhaps on the planet, Bill Anderson, today. He's 85 years old. He's just as strong as an ox. He's still preaching, and he uh, he takes one medication, and he only started taking that last year. Uh, his mother lived to be a uh, 150. Uh, no, I think she was 105 when she died, and uh, so he's got some good genes in him. But um, I was talking to him today. We talk just we do this every couple of weeks. I'm just checking on him. He lost his wife this past year, and so I just called. I said, "Bill, how you doing?" He said, "I'm lonely." Uh, he said, "I'm just lonely," and uh, he said, "But he said the Lord is my comforter and that sort of thing." But I don't know how we got on it, but we got on what everybody's talking about: how rapidly things have spiraled uh, in such a horrible direction uh culturally and he said this he said 85 years ray he said uh, i've been preaching since i was in my 20s he said i've never seen anything like this i've never seen anything close to this and i think he's right but that's uh, motivation for us to keep praying isn't it and it is motivation for us to take very seriously our responsibilities that jesus said this we must work while it is day the night comes when no man can work. And folks, uh, you know, we're still pretty fortunate, aren't we, here in Dothan, Alabama? Uh, we got a lot of freedom. I won't go into extensive detail, but let me just tell you a story that happened today uh, right here in Dothan with a postal worker um, uh, who a friend was praying with them at the post office um, and uh, that's another side of the story I won't get into. This is a, a believer. But just a couple of days ago, he related a story, and they told me this story. Related a story that um, I guess it was last week, after hours, the post office was closed. He was closing his station down, and there were, was a guy on one side and a guy on the other side closing their stations down. And he... Um, quietly very quietly and softly was humming not singing but just humming uh, a praise song and uh, that they sing at their church and he was just kind of humming it very quietly to himself well uh, unbeknownst to him the the two guys on either side got offended by that and went to his supervisor told his supervisor the next day, he was called in and was instructed uh, that he could not hum anymore, hum his praise songs anymore. Now, folks, that's in Dothan, Alabama. Is that not incredible? Um, you know, I, I wish I could have talked to him. I said, well, why don't you ask, so which songs may I hum? Can I hum Highway to Hell by ACDC? Uh, can I hum, you know... Frank Sinatra, what, what is acceptable? Could you give me a hum list? Now, folks, you can't make this up. That's right here in, in, in Dothan, Alabama. Um, and so what happened to the First Amendment? Well, we, we, we've been asking that for five years now. Um, I, I don't say that just to constantly berate that, but folks... Um, I've told you this on Wednesday night. I said it a couple of weeks ago on my message. Are y'all ready to be tested?
your faith is going to be tested even in Dothan, Alabama. It's coming. It's coming. And by the way, we'll see. Can you imagine? Just think about what COVID has done to the church. Can you imagine what's going to happen when persecution shows up in the church? It'll be me and hopefully you. <laughs> right? So it just, it should, uh, by the way, I'm not scared. I do pray, God, let me stand in the hour that I need to stand. I do pray that. Lord, let me stand in the, in the hour uh, because I firmly believe that's coming, which I've been telling you for 15 years. But it's gotten, it seems like it's picked up pace. Don't you think this, this hostility in the culture toward uh, God and the things of God? Well, um, the prince and power of this air, he, um, uh, he's gained a stronghold. And, um, but uh, I just thought when I, when I was told that today, I thought, can you believe that's right here in Dothan? You cannot hum any longer or you will be fired. Because it offended people on your right and left. Oh, can you imagine what Vance Havner would say? He said before he died, and this is, uh, uh, um, you know, three, four decades ago. He said, we're living in the age of goofus. Four decades ago. What would he call it now? You know? So um, just that to get you encouraged as we start. Um, by the way, uh, Sunday, um, I am going to, you've heard of the great commandment in the Bible. What's the great commandment? Does anybody know what the great commandment is? Let's not go forth. It's not go forth. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And the second's likened to it, love your neighbor as you love yourself, okay? That's the great commandment. What's the great commission? To go into, we often confuse those, but it is to go into the uh, world and make disciples, Matthew 28, all right? I'm not preaching on either one of those, son. <laughs> you know what I'm preaching on? Life's uh, greatest guiding principle. I think you'll agree, Sunday, life's, some more stuff God gave me while I, I was away that I'm uh, going to uh, share with you and look forward uh, to sharing with you. So life's great. What is the greatest guiding principle of life? What is it? And uh, I'm going to share that uh, with you uh, from two verses and really just from one verse uh, when we gather in this place. So I, I throw that out. Uh, if you want to know what it is, you got to come. Uh, but I throw that out, let you think about it, uh, uh, cogitate on it uh, for just uh, a little bit. Okay, we're, uh, let me get this up on the screen for you. Okay, we're talking about what does the providence of God mean for your life. We looked at a couple of verses there, Acts 17, 26, Jeremiah 1, 5. We're going to look, if you want to go ahead and open up to Psalm 139, 6, 16, uh, you can do that, and then we're going to go to another passage that's not on the uh, not on your uh, screen list there, um, and uh, we're going to because it's going to tie uh, together uh, with this. But um, uh, let me do one other thing. 
let me make sure we're on the same page again about what we mean by the providence of God. Somebody tell me, we talked a lot about last week in terms of what does it mean. Somebody tell me what the providence of God is. Okay, God is in control, right? And because he's in, he has this, what did you say, Alan? Sovereign control or sovereign will. I, and this is very important to understand, and I get more into this. This is what we would call the sovereign will of God. Remember? Very important. The sovereign will of God. Somebody tell me, uh, as simply as you can, what is the sovereign will of God? Well, that's his desire, you know, certainly. Um, as Peter said, that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So that is certainly the desire. But the sovereign will of God goes even further than that. What is the sovereign will of God? It is, it is His will that will be done. Now, does that require you or, or me? Yes, no? No, it doesn't, Right? God, so, is God going to accomplish His ultimate eternal will? Yes. So that means it's sovereign. Number two, does God need you or does He need me in order to accomplish that? No. So, where does that put us in the scheme of His sovereign will? It puts us in His what we call the permissive will and what is the permissive will i have a choice okay always that's permissive will so god now my choice does not determine whether his sovereign will will happen right are y'all with me because if you get this this will help you in a lot of ways theologically in life so my permissive will, my choice, does not affect His sovereign plan or His sovereign will. Are you all with me? So, who does it affect? It affects me. Okay. Can I say the only thing I truly have ownership of is being Oh, uh, I think so. I hadn't thought about that. Did y'all hear his question? He said, can I say that the only thing I truly have control of is my choice? My, my, my ownership. Uh, the ownership of my choice. I, I, yeah, I think, I, I think I'd have to really think through that, but you that. do only, you do have control of your choice. God has, that's permissive will. God has permitted you to make choices. But in, in his permitting you to make choices, he has also done something, allowed you to experience the consequences of your choice. So we get back to something that I've been preaching to uh, here recently, and that is our existence. We were created, Isaiah said, for God's glory. Now, Sunday, if you were here, I tied fruit-bearing to His glory. Did y'all catch that? Did you pick that up? By this is my Father glorified. But still, ultimately, even fruit-bearing, whatever, 
gets to this, this, uh, this one great purpose in your existence, and it is to bring glory to God. So, but God wants you to choose to bring glory to Him. He could make you bring glory, right? I mean, He could say, you're going to bring, I created you, I want you to bring glory to me. Or He could say, I created you, and you don't have any choice. But that's like, as I said last week, that's like telling uh, someone, I'm going to marry you, uh, but um, I don't want to. See, so uh, what God wants us to do is have a relationship with Him by choice. Right? I want to have this relationship. So, but I don't, I can reject that. I can reject what Jesus did for me. I can reject that. And if I do, now here, watch this. I hope I'm not confusing you. But so permissive will is my choice within the, the big uh, eternal sovereign will of God. I choose to reject God. I live with the consequences, which are what? Eternal condemnation. I choose to accept um, and, uh, the work of God for me and participate willingly, lovingly in the purpose of God, guess what? I bring glory to God, if, all right? And, and guess what this does? It produces the fulfillment of God in my life. Because I'm living out of the purpose for which I was created, and God has so designed me that when I, I, when I follow Him, uh, and when I choose Him, and then uh, he, His Spirit lives in me, guess what happened? The benefits it brings to me are worth the decision to follow Him. Um, and by the way, those benefits may not all be experienced right now in this life. In fact, I would tell you that most of them are not. Uh, I was telling our staff yesterday... Um, there is a popular, um, um, I, don't, I won't call him a Bible teacher because I don't really think he teaches the Bible. Uh, but he's very popular. He wrote a book some years ago called Your Best Life Now. Do you realize how bad that theology is? If you're, if that means is you, right now, and actually says in the book, I have a copy of it. I did not buy it. Absolutely not. And by the way, I think the guy's probably a nice guy. But he has no theology. Your best life, and he says in the book, several places, God wants you to experience your best life right now. That's a lie from hell. And by the way, the only people Jesus said could do that were the Pharisees. He said, let them, let them get all their accolades right here and now. Let it be good for them right here and now, because this is all we get. And I was trying to understand, our problem is, if we're not careful, that feeds into our desire, doesn't it? But it misses 
what God wants to do, and that is to bring the ultimate life to us, which is not which is never going to be found in this life. Hello? Are y'all with me? That life is discovered here. And and this life may be full of good things like grandkids. I mean, it may be full of a lot friendships. Church, when I was in my prayer time uh, today, I, you know all the things I said? I said, Lord, I thank you for Ridgecrest. And then I prayed and said, Lord, I thank you for letting me pastor these people. I thank you for these people. They're good things, aren't they? And so this is not trying to undermine good things, but never live believing that this is your best life. Because, it, listen, if this is the best you got, you're probably lost. Right? Because it is the next life that is your best life. And so what God did, so that's why we have the ability to choose which life we're going to live. And that's the act of a loving God who says, I'm not going to force you, but I'm going to do everything I can to woo you and bring you to me because I know what's best for you and what's best for you begins here, but it doesn't end here. I told our staff yesterday, you know, if we, if we weren't so earthbound in our, our thinking, if we weren't so earth, when we do have to take stands and face difficult things, if we weren't so earthbound, we wouldn't worry so much about how it's going to look. Because we would, we would understand something. Hey, Paul said this light momentary affliction. Now, if anybody knew what affliction was, y'all think Paul knew? <laughs> Just read his letters. He knew, but he, he called it light and momentary. And he endured it somewhere in the neighborhood of probably 30-plus years. Uh, your best, Paul, you just should have read your best life now. You wouldn't have ended up in prison so much. You wouldn't have been beaten three times within the limits of the law. You wouldn't have gone without food or clothing or floated in the ocean. You, Paul, you just didn't get it. But Paul said this light, momentary affliction is working something out for us. That's perspective. You remember Hebrews 11 says what? It talks about, you know, we know the Hall of Fame of Faith. But think about this, people. This is so good. It says, but they endured because they were looking for a city that wasn't built with hands. What, caught, what kept them going was not, not trying to find their best life now. It was the knowledge of what was coming. And by the way, when you think about life in that perspective, life is fairly short, isn't it? It doesn't feel like it. I mean, when you, if you're going through something right now, it doesn't feel short. You, uh, it feels like, when is this going to be over? 
But that's because we have a hard time keeping perspective. I do. Do you? That, you know, there's a day coming when this will be over. And what's a... Uh, I told our staff, we jokingly laughed. I said, think about this. In heaven right now, the Apostle Paul or you name any saint that you know and any believer that, that lived for God and that you will know, uh, if you were to be able to walk up, none of them are pouting in heaven. None of them are saying, you know what? I got here faster than I, I wanted to. I, I didn't get to live my best life yet. You think anybody in heaven saying that? They're saying, God, what took you so long to get me here? See, that's the eternal perspective. It's also why Paul said, set your mind on things above, not on things below. Set your affections on things uh, above. So that's really what this is about. My ability to choose and the, God loves me so much, he says, if you make a choice to love me and follow me, your life is going to be fulfilled. Not easy in a broken world, but it's going to, you're going to discover the purpose for which I created you, and you're going to have the perspective that causes you to stay faithful. Now, when things are good, you know, that's not a big deal. But when, if things get bad, folks, that's going to become really significant, isn't it? All right. Okay. So, do you understand permissive will and sovereign will? I can't believe it's 10 till. Um, all right, look at verse, um, uh, in, let me get back over here. 16. Well, look at verse 13. A very... Uh, popular passage for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb i praise you for i'm fearfully and wonderfully uh, made wonderful are your works my soul knows it very well my frame was not hidden from you that's similar to what jeremiah said my frame was not hidden from you when i was being made in secret intricately woven in the depths of the earth look at this your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me. That's providential destiny. In fact, you, I mean, listen, this is a sermon right here. There's praiseworthy display. There's a planned design he talks about in verse 15. Then there's this providential destiny. Uh your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. And by the way, that was before you were ever put in your the womb of your mother. So, question i'm going somewhere with this uh, eventually uh what does that mean for you T somebody tell me what that um particular uh, uh, statement from god means to you what's that okay it, i'm fearfully and wonderfully made points to uh, 
my significance. Uh, you really are special creation. You're not like the animals. A Harvard professor a few years ago said we ought to we ought to um, uh, uh, sanction abortion uh, for any reason that parents want because uh, a baby is nothing more than a high class chimpanzee. In other words, they're, they're, babies are animals. You're an animal. They're animals. If you would get rid of an animal because it's inconvenient, why not get rid of a, a, an infant? That's not what God says, but that's kind of part of the cultural narrative on some level, isn't it? <laughs> they don't do that at Harvard. They add them. Uh, but... Um, what else does that mean to you? What else does that say to you? What's that? Yeah, I mean, God, this is, God isn't a cosmic cookie cutter. That's why we're all unique in this place. We have, if we choose permissively to follow Him, guess what? Our uniquenesses become very useful in the kingdom of God to advance His sovereign will. So that's why we're all different. All right? So I have specific purpose. And that purpose, when it lines up with the sovereign kingdom will, guess what that purpose is? It brings glory to God. Well, you can't say he's omniscient and then say, but he doesn't know. Now, here, here's the deal, Joe, because I'm going to come to something here in just a second, so kind of hang on to that thought. But here is, uh, here's the deal. So you can't call God omniscient and then say God doesn't know, right? It's a, it's a contradiction. What you can say is that an omniscient God has enabled a limited, finite creation of His uh, and has given them the ability to make a choice that He will allow either way. Does that, does that make sense? And then remember this. Here, here's something. Never forget what God said in Deuteronomy. The secret things belong unto God. So sometimes when we start talking about this, is heavy stuff. We start talking about this, we... It just kind of, do, do y'all ever feel smoke rising or coming out of your ears when you talk about some of this stuff? Remember that if we don't have the capacity to understand completely the mind of God, we don't have it. And that's why God said, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts Higher than your thoughts. That's a gentle way of saying you don't have the same capacity. Now listen, I don't know this to be true. This is purely just a thought. But is it conceivable that when we get into the kingdom, I mean into eternity proper, that we're going to go, oh, what? What didn't make sense, I couldn't reconcile in my mind, now makes perfect sense. 
Because God is so much bigger. And since God is a creator, He has created us with certain limitations, including certain mental limitations. Even when before Jesus um, uh, was resurrected and in that upper room discourse that I was talking to you about Sunday, you know one of the things He said to the disciples? He said, there are many other things I'd like to say to you right now, but you couldn't, you couldn't comprehend it. You, you, you wouldn't understand it. And so uh, some of it is, it, we, sometimes we feel like, I, I have a hard time reconciling this and uh, choices and, and that sort of stuff. But don't underestimate God. There's no confusion about it in, 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 in heaven. God, God's not confused. So, and by the way, and we do walk by faith. Every once in a while, we just have to say, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so we're... God's ways higher than my ways, and God's thoughts higher than my thoughts, and I've decided I'm just going to trust Him. Sometimes you just say, "I, I, I just." Billy Graham, the turning point in Billy Graham's ministry, happened in the woods on a tree stump when he was questioning what God said because he had a friend that put a bunch of doubt in his brain, Charles Templeton, and Graham finally gets the point he's miserable. It's a place called Forest Home in California. And he's miserable because he's trying to preach and he doesn't know whether or not he believes the Scripture. And he came to this point and he said, God, I can't do this this way. And so by faith, I'm going to, I, I'm going to believe everything you said. And uh, that's a, uh, the Cliff Notes version of the story. And I'm going to accept your word as as it is, and I'm going to believe every word of it. That was the turning point. See, that's faith. At some point in time, your mind can't reconcile everything. Have you noticed that? And part of the problem with the skeptic in the world, part of the problem with the skeptics in our world, is that they're counting on their mind to reconcile everything. You know? Now, you know, God has given us a mind to use and to develop, and that's important. So don't hear me say, um, try to cultivate the mind of a doofus. You know, but here's what I am saying. God created your mind. Um, Solomon wrote and said, there is a knowledge of God in the heart of man. So, at some point in time, we still have to step across a line in which we say, God said it. I accept it. And I receive it. Even when I don't fully understand it, I walk by faith, not by sight. You know what sight is? You know what sight is? It makes sense to me. I got it figured out. Sometimes God's good and He helps you figure out something and you go, wow. And sometimes God says, you're just going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust me. That's not a cop out. Um, but good questions. We got to go. I've used my time up again. But let me tell you where I'm going pretty sure i'm going here next week
go and read 2 Kings chapter 20. Will you do that? This is a, this is a remarkable story, and I want to show you something. Hezekiah was a godly king. And Hezekiah became sick. And he was going to die. But he asked God to extend his life. And God gave him 15 more years. Read the story. Will you do that this week? Will you read that story? Because how does that factor in then to all the days of my life were written in your book before there one was? And so he's dying and then God gives him 15 years after prayer. Somebody Somebody said something last week about, so why do we pray? I'll, I'll talk about that more specifically. But Hezekiah's example of why we pray. And I'm going I'm to share two things with you about this because it, it looks like if all the days written before there was one, then Hezekiah prayed and God extended his life. So did God extend it because that was really the deadline? <laughs> you know what I mean? If Hezekiah hadn't prayed, would he not have gotten? Evidently, he wouldn't have gotten an extension from God. Are y'all tracking with me on this? So I want you to think about it too. Okay, y'all think of this is your homework. All right. So I want you to think about that. And next week, and you notice I tied it with Psalm one thirty nine sixteen. And there are other examples in the Scripture where God, in, in response to intercession or prayer, God relents. He didn't kill Israel because Moses prayed. Now, what was going on? Was that all the days of their life when God was going to kill them? or what? So, I want to show you two things. I think it will help, uh, help you understand. So, why, do, why then do we seek God in these things? And so, will you all think about that this week? Come back with your with your thoughts and your answers, and we'll look at them then. I don't know when we'll get to all these other things. We may not get to all these other things, all right? We're supposed to be in Esther. Uh, to read, uh, uh, did I not tell you all that? Did I tell you Hezekiah? Oh, 2 Kings 20. That's your homework. 2 Kings chapter 20.